Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Veterans and what you as a citizen can do to show your appreciation to veterans and so I wanted to bring in a friend, a gentleman that we've heard from before here on the Bruce Hooley Show, and we'll hear from again, is Jason Beardsley. He's the executive director of the Association for the U.S. Navy. You can find them online at ausn.org. And Jason, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. So let me, in advance, thank you for your service on Memorial Day. And let's start there. What can people who go to Memorial Day parades and things of that nature do besides telling people face-to-face, but what are some other initiatives that maybe they could support or how they could voice or demonstrate their support for veterans and those like you who've served our country so nobly? Yeah, that that's such a great uh, question. It's very good to be with you, Bruce. And uh, I think the uh, opening question, uh, first and foremost, is a recognition of uh, what we're actually memorializing on this day and really throughout this weekend which is that uh, men and women who have stood up for great ideas and the principles of the American experiment were willing to lay down their lives and risk everything in order to preserve uh, the union, to make it a more perfect union, as we've said. And and what I think people, first and foremost, uh, should recognize is that we uh, today and throughout this weekend pause for just a moment to reflect on those who lost everything in that pursuit. And over the course of our history, we've had something like six, 700,000 uh, who have died in combat, uh, not to count all the casualties on top of that, between you know Civil War and World War One and Two, and all the wars in between. And, and that's a tremendous price Americans mm-hmm. are paid for the liberties that we enjoy on a weekend like this while people are, are, are having parades or barbecues. But it's important that when we speak to those who have lost loved ones or are reflecting on the loss of those who went before them, that we really recognize the character of the men and women who are willing, have the heart to serve, and recognize that that's what's important, the ability to lay down your life in the pursuit of these goals. So I think that's the first thing. It's it's a somber reflection of that, and what an incredible time, a very short time of the year to be able to do that. But um, in honor of those who have fallen, most important to me is understanding why they were willing to do that. And that's that's the grand question. You and I are both men of faith, and there's a verse that says, Greater love hath no man that lay down his life for his brother. And the epitome of that is someone who gives their life in service to their country. And we certainly want to be mindful, too, of the, the Gold Star families that have uh, paid the ultimate price in the sacrifice for freedom. We do take for granted our freedom here, and we get to do fun things like have parades and have freedom because we really don't have to worry about invasion by a foreign adversary. So I'm always touched when I see Gold Star families on Memorial Day 
knowing that at some point in time they got that telegram, they got that letter, they got that knock on the door, and that that moment never fades from their memory. And I know it never fades from the memory of men like you who have lost uh, compatriots in combat and intimately know and miss people who've made that ultimate sacrifice. Yes. You know, my parents, uh, Jeff and Anita Beardsley, uh, laid in my heart the foundation of who we are as Americans, and, and we uh, took our history seriously, everything from Lexington and Concord to the Battle of Trenton or Gettysburg and Shiloh and Bull Run or the Marne in France or the Battle of Bella Wood and Iwo Jima, Guadalcanal. You know, these are foreign names, things like Mekong Delta or Ayadrang Valley or Quezon and Grenada, Panama, Somalia, all the way into today's fights in Fallujah, Ramadi, you know, Helmand Province and Kandahar. This is where your your men and women who have sacrificed that lay. Some of them brought back to Lane State here, but this is where they lost everything. So again, it's it's so important to know that number one, that uh, if we're not willing to die for principle as Americans, if we don't have the courage to die for our principles, to for our cause, then it leads to us living in bondage. And when we think of the liberties that we experience as, as men and women who live in the most blessed country in the history of the world, we have to understand that liberty, which is what we experience, is really a, a co-conspirator, if you will, with danger or, or with risk. You know, security, the opposite of that, is, is kind of the enemy. And remember, Ben Franklin says, those who would give up their liberties to purchase a little bit of temporary safety, they don't deserve either liberty or safety. Mm. And so today, this weekend... Uh, I think that's most important is for folks to understand that this is not free. And what we experience on a day-to-day basis uh, goes right back to those who are willing to live and bleed and die for this country. And that's the exciting thing is that every generation produces more men and women who are willing to go into those uh, into those fights, into harm's way. But we have to do that not just on the battlefield, but in our civic lives, in our daily lives. And we need to pass down the reasons why men and women fling themselves into harm's way. That's a good weekend to do it when you can talk about those who who did walk before. So I would encourage those at these barbecues and parties and parades to just pause a little bit to share with their children, their loved ones, uh, something of someone they knew or are aware of, even if it's just history, and why those things are important. That's the most important thing. Very well said. Our guest is Jason Beardsley. Jason is the executive director of the Association for the U.S. Navy. You'll find them online at ausn.org. Jason is on Twitter at Jason R. Beardsley, B-E-A-R-D-S-L-E-Y. And Jason will be back in our area for a very important event for veterans, Sip, Smoke, Shoot, Friday, June the 24th at Eagle's Nest Sporting Grounds. That's the big sporting clays area that you see up there by the Mount Gilead exit off of uh, I-71. Uh, the proceeds are going to support multiple programs for veterans and veterans' families, and you can find more about that at ausn.org backslash sip, smoke, shoot. I wanted to ask you about Taiwan and our military preparedness, Jason, talking about I look at an island like Taiwan surrounded by water, and President Biden's comment will defend them militarily. The complexities of that, of getting military aid in there, of getting, I don't know if he meant soldiers on the ground in there, or uh, the kind of aid we've given Ukraine. And what's the status of our Navy? I know on your website you talk about uh, path to 355. I assume that's some kind of agenda that you have, initiative that you have, uh, getting the Navy to a level of preparedness that you would deem adequate. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's not just what we would deem adequate, but what Congress has stated in law would be necessary for the United States to defend against near-peer rivals, and by those they mean China and Russia. So the Congress passed a law stating we ought to have 355 naval ships, warships, prepared for this, and we are at about 290. So we're well underfunded. The Navy has not got uh, the manning and the planning to do what Congress has suggested we ought to do, which is compete. So when you ask about the Taiwan uh, Straits and the threat that uh, China may present, we're woefully behind. Congressman Waltz, uh, Congressman Luria, uh, those are Democrats and Republicans, different sides of the aisle, have been arguing, along with many others, uh, Senator Wicker and, and there's plenty of others, arguing for the Navy to make its case uh, vociferously to Congress that we are now gapping. Now the United States has a definite gap between us and China. China is probably uh, the high 300s in their, in their ships, and they are rolling all over the Indo-Pacific region, our, our allies and our security cooperation partners. So when the United States is behind like this, what's frustrating, Bruce, is we watch as um, we did, a, I think, a really good thing by supporting the Ukrainians' defense of their homeland against Russia. But that $40 billion package is the same number uh, that is programmed for the Navy to build ships in the next year, and we're still falling short by over 50, so 60 sh ships short. So how much of that $40 billion would the Navy uh, kill to have? Six, mm. seven, eight billion could get them on a better path. And so we're watching Congress struggle on the one hand, to fight with, you know, the bureaucratic bean counters to get the right money they need to defend our, our, our strategic causes, and on the other hand, in six hours, passing a $40 billion aid package that's going to go out the door and does not necessarily support America's national strategic defense. So this is a concern of ours. We've been saying it, so again, have some of the congressmen, uh, but the Navy needs a lot of help and support from outsiders who actually care about this country in the, in the manner that if we don't get ahead of this, Bruce, if we are behind in supplying Taiwan or defending Taiwan through aid, then we're going to find ourselves in a position where we're, we're going to have to ramp up after a war begins. And that's what you've seen in Ukraine. Instead of getting in front of it, being behind it puts us in jeopardy. So I would just recommend as people are talking, this is a place where they can uh, come to AUSN.org. We'll have you uh, sign a petition or maybe even write a congressman if you join, if you, if you agree with what we're saying. And we'll make sure the legislators hear the cause or the voice of our American constituents. We will have more with Jason next on The Bruce Hooley Show. Back on the Bruce Hooley Show, Monday Memorial Day. Look forward to it. Should be a beautiful day. A little weather coming in now. We're kind enough to be able to talk a little bit more with Jason Beardsley, the executive director of the Association for the U.S. Navy. And Jason does a great job speaking about military matters of all sorts. And we wanted to talk to him about Ukraine, about Taiwan, about our military preparedness. And one of the things I love about Jason is he's uh, an equal opportunity voice for military matters. You'll see Jason on Fox News, Newsmax. You'll see him on MSN. You'll see him on CNN. Uh, he is uh, a great voice to these matters. So as I, as I view this in Taiwan or as I view our own security here at home, we've always had this view, Jason, that the oceans uh, make us... Uh, insulate us from a foreign adversary. 
but warfare now may may not be uh, in this era the warfare we have known uh, in other eras. Uh, right. Are we here at home uh, insulated from foreign adversaries in the way that I picture in my mind a military battle? We see the pictures from Mariupol and Ukraine, and I mean, just can't imagine that here in the United States of America, but maybe it's a tech war. Maybe it's a cyber war. Like, give me a little bit of a a viewpoint of what uh, an enemy at war with the United States of America could look like in the 2020s on our homeland. Yeah, this is the perfect question because you're right. By by, uh, military invasion and force, combat force, hot, hot war, as they call it, we are insulated. The problem is China and Russia and other European rivals do not see war the way the United States do. They call it, they have what's called total war, and their war they wage by means of economics, by means of tech, by means of information, you know, proprietary information, bleeding that out, by means of taking away our allies and our security cooperations along the Indo-Pacific. They're waging a total war. They have a war against culture. The, the movie Top Gun, the second iteration of this, was forced to edit the jacket that Tom Cruise wears because in the 1980s version, he has a patch of the Republic of uh, Taiwan, I believe. Uh, and they forced that edit down on our Hollywood script writers to make sure that that culturally doesn't get out on, on film. So China is dominating cultural war, economic war, along with a whole range of others, including industry. That's where America is vulnerable. And if our leadership does not get a, a mindset of being at war with an enemy, in all those phases, we'll lose on assets that we haven't even begun to, to, to fight that war now. President Trump uh, started saying this, and I think there wasn't a lot of uh, resounding sort of voices from the chorus supporting him at the time. But over time, it's become more and more clear to legislators and I think politicians that China is a threat. And so the wrong thing to do is to ideate or focus our, our energies only on Russia, while in the meantime we're depleting our own resources in the face of what is a, a manufacturing problem that we have in the United States, as well as facing the military one-for-one, ship-for-ship, you know, combat accounting that takes place in these wars. But I'm going to tell you one more thing, and this is probably the most important thing, and this is why America is the greatest country in the world. What gets people through these wars, what puts the victory uh, label on these battles, is not counting the math. It's not the numbers. It's not the beans and the bullets. It's the spirit of the men and the women fighting. And America has always come from a deep spirit of principled ideas of what gets us over the hill, you know, over the, the, the top and into the teeth of the machine gun. That's what you see in Ukraine. And if we lose that piece, which is training, teaching, it's tradition, it's, it's understanding our faith base, our morality, and why we as America are a superior country. If we don't have that right, we, we won't win any wars no matter what the math looks like. Jason Beersley, Executive Director, Association of the U.S. Navy. As we wrap up, Jason, uh, what would you have people do to uh, help us catch up? I mean, what I hear in your voice is we have catching up to do, but we have always risen to the occasion in terms of spirit, uh, but it also is a matter of, you know, hardware, software, money, uh, resources. Uh, We have uh, accessibility to our elected officials, but how can people who are concerned about these kinds of issues that you're concerned about that everyone's concerned about our military preparedness. What would you tell the average citizen to do on behalf of your organization and other people who uh, believe in peace through strength? Such a great um, point there. We are an organization that will be here in Washington to lobby for 
the better, stronger, the right size Navy and the right training and spirit. To do that, though, to take that to the legislators, the Chief of Naval Operations, Secretary of Navy, the Department of Defense, we need constituents who are angry. They've got to come into a site like ours at USN.org, sign up, be, become a member, take the next step, sign a petition, uh, write a letter. We, we have campaigns where we'll send out automated sort of forms that people can fill out and say what they feel. And if they don't agree with us, we'll still pass that on to the legislators. But it makes it easy for a constituent to join the fight and become an advocate for their, their military, for their Navy, while not having to do all the, the dirty work that happens here inside the swamp. You know, we're dead center D.C., so we'll face down uh, that. But what we need is we need the background uh, of the constituents who care. So come over to AUSN.org, check it out, uh, read what we're writing, and if you agree, uh, we'll find ways to activate you and get your voice in, make it easy on you, so all you have to do is hit the button and sign the petition. We'll take care of the rest. There you go, AUSN.org, AUSN.org. And for those of you who are into sporting clays or just like to hang with some guys who are, Sip, Smoke, Shoot, June the 24th, Eagle's Nest Sporting Grounds uh, near Mount Gilead. Go to AUSN.org backslash Sip, Smoke, Shoot for details on that. Always great to have you on the show, Jason. I wish you uh, well. God bless you. Thanks for your work, and we'll talk again soon. You bet. Look forward to coming back. It's great to have Jason on the show. I was on a panel with him at uh, Columbus Country Club a while back, a veterans panel, and uh, he's doing great work. And I bring him on because I don't think people know about an organization like the Association of the U.S. Navy. It's a great way for you to support veterans, get answers, and find out what you can do. Um, that's why I began our interview by talking about what can people do to show their appreciation for veterans right now. And um, look, I'm a, I'm a, I'm the son of a World War II vet. I am someone who uh, believes in peace through strength. I think we are on a uh, a precipice of a really, really, really dangerous spot to be in as a country uh, because we have not uh, remained the preeminent world power militarily. Uh, we certainly made horrendous decisions withdrawing from Afghanistan, and it's scary to think that with uh, emboldened adversaries like Russia and China, uh, we have uh, a a president who is uh, obviously completely inept in his ability to discern and make wise decisions as it concerns uh, our international interests. We are uh, seeing this week an effort uh, by those on the left to turn the death of George Floyd two years ago, the murder of George Floyd, by a a Minneapolis police officer. That was the verdict in court. So uh, I insist on uh, truthfulness. Uh, A court verdict is, to me, a final rendering. So while I think George Floyd did a lot to put himself in that position, he was murdered by Derek Chauvin, according to the verdict from the jury, but there's an effort to turn George Floyd's death into, uh, I don't know what, a national holiday, some kind of uh, national rendering on police work, and we'll get into that uh, locally and nationally next. 